How are you now? <laughs> How are you right now? Halloween's coming up. What are you going to be for Halloween? You're going to just get a pair of crutches, walk around on them, and call yourself just a random member of the Montreal Canadiens on a random Tuesday? Uh, man, everybody just keeps getting injured. David Savard announced during the game to be out for six to eight weeks. Hello and welcome to episode five. No, no, it's not episode five. It's episode six of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and um, I don't have an ad read this week, uh, so I don't actually have to read an ad and now I don't know how to start my podcast anymore. Um, Montreal Canadiens uh, were back home at the Bell Center uh, 24 hours after playing against the Buffalo Sabres. Technically less than 24 hours if you want to consider that the game ended you know, considerably later in the day than this one started. But um, taking on the New Jersey Devils in the second half of a back-to-back. Let's get to the recap and then we can talk about what went well and what did not go well in that game. And this one actually started better than the Sabres game, I would argue, uh, certainly a lot better than I expected it to. Uh, you know, in the second half back-to-back with a little bit of travel, it's not too much travel, Buffalo to Montreal, that's a pretty quick flight, but I still figured that they were going to come out flat uh, like they did against the Sabres, and they did not. Uh, they actually had over five shots on goal within the first five minutes, which has been something that they've struggled with, is actually getting pucks on net. Getting shot attempts, not a big problem. Getting pucks on net, very difficult. We get a crazy... Michael Pizzetta shift relatively early in that period. Uh, He heads off in transition, gets the puck for a shot. The rebound goes out to the other side right to Justin Barron, and he scores very similarly, a little bit lower down in the zone, than he did in the previous game. But it's 1-0 for the Montreal Canadiens. But very, very shortly after that, uh, Devils go the other way. Nico Heischer drives wide, and the puck gets sent in for him. He pushes it in, but he also pushes in Caden Bremont's pad. And he looked like he got pad first, so the Habs challenge that one. They actually win the challenge. The refs make the right call. So the score remains 1-0 for the Montreal Canadiens. Shots are 9-3 in favor of the Habs by the midway point of the period. Did not think that it was going to be going this well early on. Caden Primo made a wild diving save on a 2-on-1 where he came across uh, and just barely got a piece of that puck. Uh, He was playing really well. The Habs were playing really well. But then with just over 8 minutes left on the clock, Horseshit call on Johnny Kovacevic. He just pushed Brandon Smith, which you're allowed to do in hockey. You're allowed to push guys. And uh, they call it a penalty. Uh, I forget what they called. Maybe it was interference or no, it wasn't interference. I think they called cross checking. It doesn't matter. It was horseshit. Softest call that I've seen in a while. Um, more of that to come as well in the game. But uh, anyways, the Devils have a very, very good power play, in case you haven't heard. One of the best in the league, as a matter of fact. I think they're actually number one in the league. And Alexander Holtz gets the puck in the slot, just backhands it on net through traffic. It gets through. It's 1-1, and that's your score after one. But honestly, uh, second half of a back-to-back, again, expecting a pretty rough outing for the Montreal Canadiens with their third goalie in Caden Primo playing in net. Um, I think you got to say you, you take that period. You take that period nine times out of ten, uh, and, you're, and you're happy to do so. Second period, however, starts the way that I expected the first to start. Uh, They're hemmed in their own zone. They're getting way too cute trying to get out of their own zone. They're trying these little flips. They're trying soft passes. Faut vraiment mettre un peu de moutarde sur les passes, mon tabarnak. And they're not. They're just making it way too easy for the devils to hem them in. And um, Primo, though, for his part, is looking the best that I've seen him look since he had that Calder Cup run uh, with the Laval Rocket. Um, Habs actually get a power play 
past the midway point of the period, they get fuck all with it. And what's worse is you know that with the way the refs have been calling this, a lot of soft calls to both teams, right? The, the jersey had some soft calls go against them as well. And because there was a soft call um, that gave the Habs their power play and they did nothing with it, you know the next one's going to go against the Habs. And very shortly later, of course, it's interference, Timo Meyer. Um, he interferes with Jake Evans, and Evans turns around and punches him. So bad idea for Evans. Should have been two penalties, but they only call one, and they only call Evans. And the Habs somehow kill that off. But the five-on-five five is just not there for them afterwards. Great shift by the third line. Um, pretty good one. It looks like maybe they're going to get back into this game a little bit more uh, energy coming. But uh, then right after the third line gets off, we get a giveaway to Tyler Toffoli in the offensive zone. He rips one through Caden Primo, and it's 2-1. to one. Immediately after that, another penalty to Justin Barron. Complete 10-ply, super soft call. Shouldn't have been a penalty. The Habs kill off what they could of it during the second period, but we start the third period with him still in the box. And, of course, Jack Hughes behind the net with the puck, throws it out front to Nico Heischer. He puts it in, and it's 3-1. to one. The Habs at this point look like they don't give a shit anymore or they're tired. Um, they don't seem to want to be in this one for the, the at least the first half of the third period. Um, Arbor Jacki gets a holding penalty. Eh, I'm not too sure about that one either. I think it was a call, but it was still a little bit soft. And immediately, Tyler Toffoli gets left alone out in front. Top corner snipe, and it's 4-1. to one. Habs get a power play just past the midway point, though. And they have an opportunity here. They're down three goals. You need your power play to do something for you. And what do they do? They actually pull Caden Primo to get a six on four. Uh, interesting decision with like nine minutes left on the clock. And what happens? Well, Jersey dumps it down. Mike Matheson gets the puck in the corner, takes it behind his own net and comes out and skates into the neutral zone. He's turning around. He's looking for the drop pass. Like he's expecting somebody to be there for that stupid neutral zone drop pass that I'm always ragging on. Um, And there's nobody there. So he turns around. He goes, fuck it. Skates down, splits the D, goes in alone on net, goes forehand on Vitek Vanacek. And he makes it four to two. The Montreal Canadiens have some life. Mike Matheson goes superhuman from that point. He, on two separate occasions, gained the offensive zone and then ran over Luke Hughes like he was a fourth grader, um, really trying to get something going for the Montreal Canadiens. And they're getting some opportunities. They're they're fighting back in this game, but it was too little, too late. Uh, they would pull Caden Primo again later in the game, but they just couldn't get anything through. And Tyler Toffoli gets his hat trick with an empty netter, makes it 5-2. to two. That is your final kind of disappointing the way it ended just because it looked like with when they when they did have their resurgence there in the third period it kind of felt like maybe they could make something happen there and I don't know it was just eh it wasn't it wasn't a game that they really deserved to win anyways so had they made that comeback yeah it would have been a great story but I think there was you know more lessons to be learned in that game uh, with them having lost because again largely outplayed particularly in that second period Uh, that second period was gross it was gross. You can't be having, you know, 20 minutes played like that in a game. Um, so I think they kind of needed that that loss to maybe teach him, hey, you know, if you're going to get up for a game like you did for that second half of the third period, you, you can't play really not just those 20 minutes in the second period, but the 30 minutes, the 20 minutes of the second period, the first 10 of the third period. Like you, you can't just throw half the game dans vidange and then expect to somehow come back in the final 10 minutes uh it's a good lesson for them to learn and uh hopefully they can pick up some of those things uh that they need to fix in order to start winning games like that because it was i I would argue a winnable game um if you play better in that middle part of the game that they just decided to to stop playing 
Um, silver lining of the night, you could you could go a couple of ways for this, but I think I got to go with Mike Matheson. The way he flipped a switch in the third period, it's like something clicked for him, and he just went, "All right, I'm I'm gonna put the team on my back." I put the team on my back though, and uh, <laughs> I can't get that Greg Jennings video out of my head. I watched it again like a week ago, and uh, man, that's a funny video. But back to Mike Matheson, um, he could be, and I don't say this lightly, he could be an answer for them in terms of carrying the puck in on the power play. I really believe that. You saw him when he scored that goal in the third period. He he cuts in. I swear, you can go look at the clip. I've got it up on my Twitter account. There I go, plugging my Twitter again, at DrakeMT if you want to go check it out. Uh, it's up there. He, when he gets around the red line, he turns and he's like, he's hoping somebody's going to be there because he's expecting somebody to be there anyways for him to make the drop pass to. And then when he turns back, he just cuts through them like a hot knife through butter. I hope the coaching staff looks at that and goes, hey, the Devils were clearly expecting that drop pass as well. That's why he caught them so flat-footed and he was able to split the D. You need to mix it up like that a little bit. Like sometimes I think they need to have whoever's carrying it up, make them fake that drop pass or something and then just start skating with it because the the devils were caught completely off guard and then Mike Matheson goes in for an easy one. I don't think you want to necessarily be looking at how can we generate rush chances on the power play. Uh, the whole point of the power play is to set up and go to work in the offensive zone. But I think with the the rate at which the Habs are getting booted out of the zone on the power play, I think they need to, again, try to move away from that drop pass a little bit. There's nothing wrong with having it as something in your arsenal. But having a guy like Mike Matheson that comes up the ice with the puck like that, uh, turns around, looks for the drop pass, and look, if it's not there, if you sense that the d- defense is a little bit too static and you might be able to just cut through him like that, it's giving you a little bit of a different flavor for those zone entries. And even if he doesn't score... Um, he's really discombobulated anything that they were trying to do uh, defensively against that power play. So I, I would advocate for maybe letting him carry the puck up ice a little bit more. Um, obviously, on the on the the top unit, they've been or sorry, on the second unit, they've been using um, Alex Newhook as the carrier. So they'll do the drop pass, he carries in, it tends to work. But Mike Matheson, legitimate option, I think. Um, he's a bigger body guy. You saw him on two separate occasions in that third period where he bowled over Luke Hughes after gaining the zone. I mean, he's not a guy that you can push around. He's not a guy that you can just step up on at the blue line. He could knock you down when you try that and still get the puck deep in your zone. So uh, Mike Matheson, man, got to give him silver lining for that one. Uh, really enjoyed his performance, particularly in the third period. There were some rough moments during those 30 minutes where the team stopped playing for him as much as there were for the rest of the team. But I think, uh, you know, for me, his third period there overshadowed what I saw in the in the middle part of the game. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I guess we have to talk also, um, and I, I don't really think it was quite a silver lining of the night, but I thought he played pretty decently well, was Caden Brimont. Um, I thought ahead of the game, and I tweeted this out, um, you know, giving him his first game of the season. He hasn't played at all, right, except for preseason. Hasn't played. Hasn't played in Laval. Hasn't played for the Habs. He's just been practicing with the team and traveling with them. And to give him his first taste of action this year on the second half of a back-to-back against a Jersey team that on paper looks like they could be a contender this year, I thought that was a a pretty rough way to introduce him to the season. Um, But look, I I thought he played well. There were some times out there where he looked like he was swimming a little bit, um, really struggling to get back into position. Uh, he has a tendency, you know, to overplay some pucks sometimes. If something happens, he just gets a little bit scrambly. But I felt like overall, if you could look past some of those scrambles, 
Um, he made some really athletic saves, like that diving save that he made in what it was in the uh, it was in the first period or was in the yeah it was in the first period. Uh, crazy diving save, and uh, he made a lot of other really good saves where he was just playing the angles really well, staying uh, deep in his crease for as long as he could, and then coming out and challenging the shooters a little bit. I felt like this was one of the better games I've seen him play in a Montreal Canadiens uniform, and that might not be saying much because he does have a tendency to melt a little bit when he gets to the NHL level. Uh, but he looked pretty calm in that game outside of a few scrambles. And, uh, you know, it's it's got to be tough. It's got to be tough being the third goalie, not seeing the ice at all, and then all of a sudden game six rolls around and you just get thrown out there in the second half of a back-to-back. Uh, I expected a lot worse is what I'm trying to say here. So I didn't want to give him silver lining of the night because I don't think it's not like he stood on his head uh, and really made a huge difference for the Habs, but... He made, the, he made the saves that he was expected to make. I didn't charge any of the four goals that he was actually in the net for. I don't charge those to him. Um, I felt like there were some defensive breakdowns there, and certainly uh, the Devils have a fantastic power play, so giving them any kind of opportunity there is going to be a problem for you. And um, I, I just I felt like Caden Primo had a good game. Had a good game. He looked like an NHL goaltender. Does he look like a, a consensus number one starter? Eh, maybe not, but looked like an NHL goaltender um, and... Yeah, much better than I expected him to be. So uh, it was good news on that front at the very least. And I want to keep it positive. So I want to keep talking about positive things, but there weren't very many other positive things to talk about. I mean, Michael Pizzetta had a really good game, I felt, um, particularly in the first period, and then he kind of faded away um, later on in the game. Uh, I liked the third line, uh, Brendan Gallagher, Tyler Tof- or not Tyler Toffoli. <sighs> I wish we saw Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> Brendan Gallagher, Tanner Pearson. And Sean Monaghan, um, I felt like they were the most effective line for the Habs in this back-to-back. And if you told me at the at the beginning of the season, you say, "Hey, in the first back-to-back, the best line in the second game is going to be Tanner Pearson." I almost said to fully again, Tanner Pearson, Brendan Gallagher, and Sean Monaghan. I would have told you to fuck right off. There's no way that the three grizzled vets. Uh, two of whom have had significant injury problems over the course of the last few years, are going to be your best players in the second half of your first back-to-back. But that was the case. Um, something to be said there for veteran smarts, and uh, I really like that line. Uh, but outside of that, I, I don't have very much positive to say about that game. The power play is still atrocious. It's completely atrocious. The the best unit right now is the second wave. The second wave, when they sent them out there, they got new hooks, Slavkovsky. They look they look better, but the, the the top wave, the the top unit that's supposed to start getting you goals at some point, not cutting it, not cutting it whatsoever. It drives me absolutely up the wall that they're not trying Jesse Elanen on on that line or on that unit rather. I don't understand it. He had a point uh, at one point in the game. It's not like he played so good that he was completely undeniable, but his shot is probably the second best on the team behind Cole Caulfield, and. He showed off that shot at one point. He got an opportunity in the high slot, and he absolutely unleashed a screamer, and it got blocked. But you see the velocity on that shot. How do you not see that and go, okay, we're going to give you an audition, at the very least, on the power play? I'm not saying that he's the answer. I'm saying, why are we not trying it, right? Clearly, nothing you're doing is working. It's period, flat out, throw in the garbage. Dans le vidange. And try some other things. I've been advocating quite a bit for trying a guy like Joshua Wad at some point with the top line, for instance. Now, he's obviously not available to them, so you can't put him on the on the power play unit. Um, <laughs> why are you not trying Jesse Elanen? 
He's right there for you. He's already in your lineup. It's not like you have to make any kind of a roster move in order for that to happen. Just give him a shot. It, it makes sense to try him there. Why are you not trying Slavkovsky on the top unit? Why is he staying down on the second unit? Like, again, the second unit has been the more effective unit, but they're still not scoring. So why don't you bump up one of the players from the unit that at least looks like they're threatening to score and give them a shot with your top guys and see if that doesn't spark them a little bit. And then again, like maybe start letting your a D-man like Mike Matheson carry the puck up the ice more and not do the drop pass. Try to catch some of those defenders flat-footed when they're sitting there waiting for that drop pass to happen. I don't know. Try some new things, guys. It's, it's getting real, real tiresome watching this team fumble their way through their power plays. And then you got to look at the penalty kill as well. Absolute, pure garbage. And I know you're going up against arguably the top power play in the league right now. Uh, so you, you know you're probably not going to give up zero, right? You know they're, if, you, if, if they get two or three opportunities even, they're probably going to score at least one. But at the same time, like the Toffoli goal, he's left alone. Three of the penalty killers were on the outside of the face-off dot near the wall. The only penalty killer who was inside the face-off dot was the high forward. I think it was Jake Evans, but he's up there supposedly covering the points. So he's not covering down low in the slot where Toffoli just walks in on his own and scores. What do you guys, they, they chase too much. They're just chasing. And it's it's devoid of structure. Devoid of structure. And it's, it's it's again, it's it's very tiresome to watch because you see the same thing over and over and over again. It reminded me of the time against the Capitals where they had all four guys in the corner and Alexander fucking Ovechkin was standing out front alone uncovered. I mean, <laughs> these are things that I don't think you need to be an NHL coach. I don't think you need... 20, 30, 40 years of coaching experience to understand that that's not how you do it. And I think the Habs have enough experience behind the bench to probably recognize that as well. I just don't understand why they don't have the you know, the ability to, to make some decisions and, and change a few things. It's getting frustrating to watch. And then the last thing that really irked me was, again, I mentioned it during the recap, um, their zone exits. They're just way, way, way too cute with those. Way too cute. Get some mustard on those passes. Stop trying to push it up the wall when there's a defenseman right there. Stop trying these little flips. Yeah, I can't count how many times the Devils defensemen were just camped at the line. They weren't even starting to go back when the Habs started moving towards the line because they were like, ah, you know, they're going to try something here. And then they're getting a stick on it or they're getting a glove on it. And then the puck stays in the zone and you got to regroup and you got to scramble back. And then all of a sudden, defense is pretty hard when you're not set up to play defense and you're scrambling back into position. Um, a lot of things to work on. Hopefully they can learn some of those lessons. Um, not willing to get too upset over that one because it was a back-to-back and it was against a team that is considerably better than them, at least on paper. Um, and I thought they weren't too, too bad outside of those 30 minutes where they stopped playing, um, which were pretty rough to watch. So um, good news is it wasn't the worst game ever. Bad news is uh, it was far from a good one. So um, we'll regroup, I guess, on Thursday. They're going to be taking on the Blue Jackets also at home. Uh, So they're staying at the Bell Center. They get a day off uh, to hopefully work on some of those issues. We're going to cut this one off there. What are we running? Over 19 minutes. Over 19 and a half minutes. So it's a soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.